Welcome to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. This is the place to be for stories to inspire and uplift when life doesn't go according to our plans. I'm Laura Muirhead, your host and the reigning queen of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. I can't wait to share the plot twist stories of my guests that will inspire and uplift you when life didn't follow the plan, right here on A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. I am your host, Laura Muirhead, and I am so happy to welcome as my guest today, Jane Kleinman. So Jane, come and introduce yourself and tell us where in the world you are and what you do. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. Um, I am Jane Kleinman. I am the founder of The Calm Within the Chaos, which is a uh, support circle for parents of kids with special needs. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a Reiki master. I'm a ceramics teacher. I'm a mom. My son with disabilities is 20. He has autism and OCD and lots of anxiety. And um, and he is the funny thing that happened to me on my way to my life. Um, I also have a daughter who just turned 14 yesterday. So that's something <laughs> that's also happening on the way to my life. Um, yeah. So when my son was born, we, you know, we had trouble conceiving. We finally, you know, had this beautiful little baby boy and I kept trying to believe that he was, um, hitting his milestones and really he wasn't. And at about nine months, um, the pediatrician said, I want you to, you know, call up early intervention that, yeah, he's just not sitting the way we think he should be. They'll maybe they'll do some physical therapy. He'll catch up, but he'll be fine. I'm like, Oh, sure. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. even do everything I need to do for my son. I call up the number. I was in Westchester, New York at the time. Now I'm currently in Red Bank, New Jersey. Um, and I get this packet from them, your special needs child. And I almost fell on the floor. I was like, what do you mean my special needs child? I don't, what? Huh? I mean, I was not prepared clearly for that. And I still was like, no, no, no. He's going to get some therapy. He's, gonna, he's not my, no. So we start the whole evaluation process. And it was the first pack. It was, you know, papers this, this thick of he isn't doing this. He isn't doing this. He isn't doing this. He isn't doing this. And it, it was just devastating. It was devastating. Um, but still, you know, nobody diagnosed him. Nobody diagnoses. Maybe at that time they didn't, uh, you know, a child at 11 months with autism. So, or really anything, because they don't really know unless it's Down syndrome or some some clearly obvious. Um, so, you know, we started therapy and it was painful to watch them try to have him play with toys the way he should like take a square and put it in a cookie jar could not do that. And, you know, once it's in front of you and you see what's happening, you know, all the things he's not able to do that, I guess, you know, I was a first time mother. I, I really didn't know, you know, took all those, what to expect and threw them right out the window because clearly they no longer applied. Um, and, you know, Right before I had my son, I was I had a regular yoga practice. I was 
working in the ceramic studio. I was a massage therapist with a regular clientele and I was loving my life. I was like, this is, this is what I want to be doing. This is amazing. I can't believe I get to do yoga. And I, all of that went bye-bye. Um, I could, I couldn't, I mean, we weren't sleeping. Um, he had lots of issues. He couldn't, it, we had to, he had to have physical therapy in order to learn how to roll over on his own. And now looking back, I know that, well, he was crying because he couldn't move in his crib. You know, I'd put him down to sleep and he'd want to move and he couldn't. Um, so we moved to New Jersey. Go ahead. You wanted to ask a question. It looked like I just want to back up a minute because I can't imagine like the lack of I don't know what the personal interaction that you would expect, hopefully expect from, you know, a medical professional to come and say to you, look, we are evaluating your son and here's what's going on um, versus just getting a, a packet, a big fat packet in the mail, you know, in the mails. I mean, that had to have just been derailing and um, you know, you would hope for a little more interpersonal <laughs> relationship on that a little more, you know, (laughs) yeah, preparation, like anything to a little more compassion. I don't know, you know, something to say, yes, we are evaluating your son. And these are the things we're seeing. Um, And just to prepare you, you know, we, we, we think he might have special needs. Um, Let's go further. Let's go deeper. So I can, you know, especially as a first time mom, you know, I can think back to, you know, being, you know, my first child and, and already, you don't know, you, you know, you don't know what's, what to, like you said, get the book, what to, you know, what to expect. And here you are not only already like hoping to, to, have some guidance. And then, like you said, it just goes all out the window. I, I can't even imagine just that on its own. And then, like you said, you know, you're, you're not, you know, then realizing at some point, oh yeah, this is why he's unhappy. This is why he's fussy. Yeah. Like more than just, you know, oh, you know, he's not sitting up quite how we had hoped he would. So yeah, go ahead. And, you know, and, and your life really just being turned upside. I mean, it's already somewhat, you know, your, your life changes obviously when you have a child, but then to have this added on, um, you know, I, I can't even imagine. So um, go ahead with, with what you were <laughs> with the, with the next part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting too, because I, I actually, I was actually grateful because a lot of times pediatricians will say, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, catch up. Don't worry about it. And they won't refer you to early intervention at all. So yes, it would have been nice if they had said, you're going to get a packet in the mail. It's going to say this, don't freak out. You know, we're going to start the evaluation process. I would have appreciated that for sure. But looking back, I only felt grateful that they had noticed that they had bothered to pay attention because so often they don't. So, um, but yeah, now that you think about it, yeah, they could have given me a little bit of a heads up. Um, but yeah, so so we moved to New Jersey and my life became about staying home. And that was never, never in my life plan. Never, not even as a kid. I mean, as a kid, I wasn't even sure I was going to have any kids. 
but then I certainly wasn't going to, you know, stay home. And that was all I was going to do. Like, I just, I wanted to be out in the world as well. So, I mean, I think my mother always was, although I always felt like she was around for us. So I guess that's just sort of what I expected that I would do. Um, And really it just became, I mean, there was nothing else but wake up. I would dread waking up because it just was nothing. It was nonstop um, anticipation of the next thing. Um, They say that parents of kids with autism show signs of PTSD and they absolutely do because basically you learn to be on high alert all the time because you don't, you, first of all, you don't know what's driving, you know, your child's upset, your child's tantrum. You you don't know because I can't tell you. And while they're babies, then it's, you know, no babies can do that. But when they're supposed to start talking around two and they don't, and it's, it just becomes a constant crisis. And when you're in constant crisis mode, you start to break down and Ultimately, that's what ended up happening. We put a strain on our my relationship with my husband. Um, you know, he was out working. I was unable to work. So he would get home from commuting from the city at eight o'clock at night. He's exhausted. But all I want is a break. So I'm trying to hand him the baby. And it's like, I need five minutes. And, you know, it just be, resentment starts to build on both ends because you're both living two completely different lives. Um Yeah. So I reached a point where I basically decided foolishly, (laughs) but I thought this was my only way that, okay, what I'll do is I will, I kept, I felt like all I did was fight, you know, like fight, fight to get five minutes, fight to get a half an hour, fight to get, you know, someone else to take care of the, the, you know, or give me this or do the laundry or whatever. Like it just always felt like a fight to be heard and seen and have anything for myself. And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop wanting anything for myself. I'm going to, you know what, this is my life. This is what I do. I'm going to give up my wants and needs and I'm, this is it. I'm going to take care of my son, take care of my family. And that's all I'm going to do. That was not the answer <laughs> that didn't um, make it that didn't fulfill, fulfill yeah, you it didn't, in any it way. didn't relieve the pressure that didn't that just that just made me feel totally in despair you know I was like oh really this is this is my life now um and I you know I love my son and there were moments of joy but I was completely unable to see them um my husband and I were completely unable to communicate because we were having two different experiences. And he was not really understanding the lack that existed in my own life of my own fulfillment of myself as an adult human being. Um, He didn't understand that. So, um, so, you know, like I said, before I had my son, I, I had a really regular yoga practice. And so when he was about, I want to say like two, Um, we got him into some private speech therapy and my mother would take him at her house and the speech therapist would go there so I could get like an hour to myself. And I went to a yoga class and I just sobbed at the end of the class because 
I had finally, first of all, it felt like coming home. I was like, oh, something I love to do. I forgot what it feels like to do something I enjoy um, just for me, you know? And, and so I, each week would drop my son at my mom's and he would have a speech therapy and I would go to yoga class. And after a couple of years, um, we adopted my daughter and now I had a little baby and my son was now off in school, which helped. Um, but I was still really overwhelmed. And I found that like, what was happening was I was just yelling at my kids because I was exhausted and tired and I didn't have a purpose in life really now that things, we were in a new phase, right? And I just didn't know how to be there. And um, I discovered that Kripalu was offering a, a, a month, a one weekend a month for a year teacher training. And normally you have to go up there to the Berkshires in Massachusetts for a month or for two weeks at a time. Obviously, that was not something I could do. Um, and I just said to my husband, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm doing this. We can make, we can make arrangements for one weekend a month. And it changed my life. Not only did I make that commitment to myself and claim something for myself that I hadn't known how to do. Um, it taught us to communicate better, make arrangements. It taught me that I could leave my family for, you know, 12 hours and they wouldn't collapse into themselves. You know? The world wouldn't explode if you left. Um, yeah, well, and I also think when you're talking about like the PTSD, it had to be so not only mentally draining, physically draining, emotionally draining, but you know, at some point when, when this is all happening, like your adrenals are getting stressed, like everything, like everything is just, is happening. So I can only imagine like that you, when you finally were able to number one, just do your one, you know, what one hour a week of yoga and it had to be, you know, a great break, but to now be able to go up and, and take this, you know, be gone for a whole day. Um, but also probably I would imagine, um, and in, you know, this is for you to say, not me, but the, just the, a uh, little bit of, anxiety maybe of leaving um even though you have this great desire and i also feel like it's so important for us to feel like we have some sort of purpose obviously there's a purpose in your life with with taking care of your children and your family but we still we still need that um you know i i i can relate to that um not on the level uh, that you're that you are at but that just this like, well, what about what, what's in it? You know, what, what do I get once in a while? And, um, and it's okay for us to be, you know, want something for ourselves. So now you're at the point where you're, you're able to go up now, how many, how long did that, that go on when you would go up for one week? I, I mean, once a week, it was a, it was once a month for a year. I mean, I'm sorry. Once a month. Yeah. So it was one weekend a month. It was a Friday night, all day Saturday, and I think Sunday half day. So because I am in commutable distance, I would drive into the city, which was also like part of the part of what was so lovely about it. It was like a whole bunch of different on my own experiences. So I would drive in by myself. There was nobody in the car seat. Nobody I had to give snacks to as I drove. 
I could listen to whatever music I wanted. Your thoughts were your own. That's right. And I, then I would park and I would go into my class and then we would break for lunch and I was in the village and walking around and got, had lunch on my own. And, you know, we lived for years in the city before we, um, you know, embarked on family life. And so it was just really that I had that experience again, you know, it was, it was such a, oh my gosh, that's such a reprieve. And, and what I ultimately ended up learning and doing was that because it was once a month, I would come back into my life, first of all, refreshed, number one, and able to, I had some homework. So I had to, I had to find ways to fit this into my life. And I had to find ways to practice yoga while my kids were around or, and so what ended up happening was my life became my yoga practice because there was no other way to do it. I wasn't going to get I'm, I value my sleep more than almost anything in the world. I am not an early riser um, ever, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. I am not the yogi who gets up at 5 a.m. And if you come to a retreat of mine, we will not get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I did things in other ways. I, I managed to figure out that when I do this activity with my kids, I can also be breathing. I can take stretch breaks in ways where I'm moving my body with my breath and mindfully. And that makes a huge amount of difference in how you approach whatever comes next in your day. So it really did help me stop yelling at my kids (laughs) because I learned the way that you, that you take that beat. And I learned to respond and be in a completely different relationship with my life than I had been before. And I, I could, I had the presence to observe the situation, observe what was happening inside of me before just, you know, having a reaction and it changed everything in the family. You know, there are still that was going to ask that I would imagine that that rippled out. And even with your children and your husband, go ahead. <laughs> it did. And I mean, I, I, there are still times where I kind of resent the idea that I have to do that work, you know, however, <laughs> it doesn't really matter because if I'm in a better place, then I don't feel that, you know, it's when, and those I've learned that those emotions and those feelings and those sensations in my body are all clues that, oh, I'm not caring for myself in the way that serves me, that where I feel at my best. And, um, and I know that maybe I need an afternoon off. Maybe I just need to have 10 minutes of quiet. You know, maybe I just need to notice that that's what I'm doing. And it's, it's just all of those tools that I learned in my practice come up all the time during my day. And it's, it's really changed my relationship to my life. I love that. I love that, you know, just being more aware of yourself and your body and what you need. And once you recognize that and hopefully can find the time to take yourself, you know, okay, I need five minutes and you are able to take the five minutes, um, you know, for yourself. And I had, I had, a uh, I have a friend who years ago used to say that, um, you know, if the mom's happy, the family's happy, you know, the moms do tend to lead 
you know, the way. And, you know, it's great that you were able to, to reclaim all of that and, and become aware. I think it's so important. I mean, I think that's an important message for all of us in general, um, let alone if you have, you know, children or special needs children or, um, you know, challenges in your life um, that, which we, we all do to some level. Um, And I love that you, that you're able to bring that in. And I think it's an important message for all of us to recognize these things. Like sometimes when you're just like kind of at your wit's end, okay, what do I need right now? Um, And um, actually um, one of this, uh, Joanna Hunter is my friend and mentor. And she, one of the beautiful things that she says is, to just take a moment and say to yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? And if, if you can, you know, take a moment and recognize that and then act on it, you know, and maybe it is, maybe it's that you're hangry, right? Maybe it's like, Oh, I need to eat. I need a break. Um, maybe I need a nap. And sometimes I think that maybe that's not, uh, you know, like in, in your situation with kids, so, you know, sometimes that's not necessarily possible, but, but maybe even just like, you know, take a walk outside, do some grounding, get, you know, even if it's for a couple minutes, if you can get out. And the, so I love that you were able to, to reclaim those things in your life. I think too, for, um, for, for moms, any moms, um, we have this idea of what, a good mom is in our society and it is selfless and it is without personal need. You know, even though we have, we outwardly say other things, (laughs) Oh, you know, I can, I can be empowered and I can, you know, that's not the cultural water that we swim in. The cultural water that we swim in is still that, you know, women put their own needs on the back burner for everyone else. And Many times I discover that women, if you ask them, well, if you could, if you could make everything, if you could just wave a magic wand and and have what you wanted right in this moment, what would it be? And they don't know because they almost don't even feel entitled to think about it. Like I'm not even, that's not even for me to decide. I don't get to think about myself or they feel guilty if they do, or if they want something other than, you know, raising a family, or if you're a, a, a mom who's an entrepreneur, or you have a high level job, or you work outside the home in any capacity, chances are a lot of what, what goes on at home still falls on you. And that's an incredible balancing act that's really stressful. And yet, as women, we're conditioned that we're supposed to just be able to do that. And we, 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 I think when we can treat ourselves, like we can treat our best friends, you know? So if, if we turned around the, what's the most self-loving thing I could do right now? Like, what would I do for my friend? Because sometimes we can't turn it inside. We don't know how, like if my friend came to me right now and said, oh my God, this happened at work and my kids and I got home, I'd be like, oh honey, come here, I'm gonna give you a hug. You know, <laughs> like that's a lot. Oh my God. And we we never, I won't say never, we don't often start right there where we allow ourselves 
to be in a hard place and to say, oh my God, this is a lot, you know, and no wonder I feel the way that I do. No wonder I'm lashing out at everyone around me. Look at what I'm trying to handle. I mean, and how can I make this easier? Like, instead of like, I can't find time, how might I make this easier, you know, for myself? And I think, yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that also when you're talking about this, like, I think it's challenging enough, at least when, when I was raising my kids, my kids are grown now. Um, and, but when I was raising my kids, for me, it was challenging enough to bring in um, someone to watch them if you wanted a night out or, you know, an afternoon or whatever. Um, I can't imagine what the challenges would be to find someone to also uh take care of your special needs son. That's another level of, well, I can't just hire, you know, Susie Anyone next door. Yeah. It has to be someone who can handle his needs and, and, and be a, you know, a special person themselves to do that. But then I also think um, in what you were just saying is that at least it, sometimes in my experience, even when I had, as my kids were younger um, found things that I enjoyed doing that I wanted to do that were hobbies or enjoyable activities outside the home, even if they're okay with your, your spouse or your partner, sometimes the guilt comes then, you know, whether you accept the guilt or not, people are, you know, coming at you from outside your, your larger family or friends that are like, Oh, I can't believe she's, you know, skipping out on her family to do these things. And, you know, there's this level of we do need to take care of ourselves and fulfill ourselves a bit. Um, you know, I had a situation years ago when my daughter is my daughter's birthday and we did her birthday up and down and sideways for, you know, party with her friends. And a week, you know, that was a week before. And then the day um, the day of her, not the day of her birthday, her birthday is going to be on a Sunday. Um, the Saturday before made a special meal, home cooked meal. She had a friend over at the time I was showing horses. I had a horse show on her actual birthday. So the, you know, extended family, they went out and did whatever they did with her. I went to my horse show and it was, I can't believe, you know, she's not here for her daughter's birthday. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like we, it's not like she didn't get her birthday acknowledged. It was just that the timing didn't work. So sometimes it's not even, you know, like you said, like the challenging enough within your own family unit, but then when the outside family members or friends or whatever are, are kind of like judging you, um, that it just doesn't, it's just so much. And we, like you said, we don't, it all just falls on us. And then I, you know, sometimes back then I used to think, well, you know, you look at celebrities and they're able to work and do the things and people are saying, Oh, aren't they wonderful? They, they, they're doing all the things. But then when people in real life are trying to satisfy their own thing, (laughs) it's like the people come at you. And so, yeah, I, the challenges for you uh, at the time, at, at that time, I can't even imagine to, you know, to be able to do all these things. A lot of autism moms struggle with their extended families. I will say they, um, they're told it's a discipline issue. Um, they're told, uh, oh, they're fine. Especially, um, 
milder forms of autism that are not as outwardly apparent necessarily that don't always show up to outside the family. Um, so they don't know what it's like. And I mean, it's like sort of anything, like if I'm telling you that this is the way it is, I, I need for you to believe me, like this is how it is. And so, and so people, so that just adds to the isolation feeling um, and nobody gets it and nobody really understands. And so, um, and you know, we're social beings, you know, we crave love and belonging. Right. And that's our most important thing. And when our own family doesn't understand the real struggle that's going on with the most important thing in our lives to us, which is usually our children, um, it's hurtful and it's isolating and it's really painful and it is hard to get babysitters. Oh, just get someone to come over. I mean, that's not, you know, and so you, you tend to just go, it's, it, it becomes more work than it feels like it's worth for lots of parents and, you know, trying to, untangle that mindset um, is important. And I think it's important as we are seeing right now as a society, our, our, our elevation of hard work, determination by any means necessary, keep going, power through, you know, is coming undone in this whole pandemic situation. I mean, people have had to make it work. <laughs> I have to say that we autism moms are all like, welcome, <laughs> welcome to our, how we live our lives. We're isolated. We often don't go out and see people because we can't, we figure out ways to make it work in our families. And that that's really like, that's a level of flexibility and resilience that I think we all could use um, strengthening. in. and I think that's, becoming really apparent these days right because um, right. it's it, it like I said it's the paradigm it's the paradigm of what's what's important you know you're a mom you're selfless you stay home with your kids or you you work but you still come home and do all the things um, it's still all on you all the emotional work is on you um, and I think we need to shift that I think that that is part of what becomes so difficult for special needs moms but is already difficult for most moms in the first place you know well, so. and then also so let's go back to you were you were going you know every weekend and and doing yoga and getting trained um and how did that how did that go and how did it work out for you as you were going along in that journey so it was a lovely training. And we took the summer off. We went back in the fall for our last couple of months. And then in December was the graduation, which was four days up at Kripalu in the Berkshires of Massachusetts for, you know, your final last weekend of training and your graduation ceremony. And there was no way I was missing that. So we had made plans and done all the arrangements. Turns out my husband had to go on a business trip, had to go to, I think he was in Las Vegas at the time and guess who it fell on to make all the arrangements and the plans and make all of that happen, which I did because I was going to go to this final weekend. 
So I had a whole schedule. My mother was going to do some of the time, babysitters, other people. We had it all figured out. Um, it's the final night before the next morning when we're going to do our graduation ceremony. And it's like special. We, we have our, our last afternoon session and we break for dinner. And I go back to the dorm and I look at my phone and I see that my mother had called a bunch of times. So, and I had been checking in, everything had been fine. And I call her back and she's in a panic. She's like, I'm on the side of the road and the police are here and they're taking Jackson to the hospital. What? And she's like, they're, I have to go. The ambulance is here. I'm like, what? So she called me back in a couple of minutes. Turns out he had a behavior, an aggressive behavior towards my daughter in the car. And it was raining and he was pulling her hair. She had been taking a nap and I guess she woke up and he was probably hungry. Don't exactly know. We had laid out all of the things. And this was a time where these behaviors were kind of just beginning to emerge. So we had a lot of really specific instructions, but we didn't know a hundred percent like, and there's no way of always circumventing a behavior. You know, if he's, if whatever his need is, isn't getting met because it's, that's a form of communication. Um, he's going to keep doing it until, until whatever it is that he wants or needs is met. And sometimes he doesn't even know what that is at any rate. So he's mm-hmm. pulling her hair and, and then he starts to pull my mother's hair. She's trying to drive. Um, she pulls over to the side of the road. He starts to kick, I guess, at the, at the ceiling of the car. It's raining. She gets out of the car. She gets my daughter out of the car. Now he's, I think he's 11 at the time. So he's, he's not like so big that he's, I mean, not that he can't hurt somebody, but it's not like he's 17. Um, But she kept just like trying to calm him down and she couldn't. And the doors are closed. He's banging on the window. And at this time, he, a lot of what he did would do that would be for attention. Um, and so he was getting it. So he kept doing it. Um, and I, I'm not really sure exactly how this all happened, but the police ended up there. And at the time, police were not trained in how to deal with kids with autism when they would come across. I mean, they're still not, they're still not. And there's a long way to go. It's often better now. Um, but even now, their, their protocol is they go to the hospital. They take them to the hospital to make sure that they're okay, to, uh, partly to separate you. They, won't, they would not let her drive him. She wouldn't drive him. But she wanted the police to drive him home, and they wouldn't. They, we have to take him to the hospital. He go, either goes in an ambulance or he goes in the police car. So I'm like on the phone in my dorm room in a panic. You know, I'll come home. I'll just come home. It's a three and a half hour drive, but I'll just come home. That didn't make any sense. By the time I got home, it would be over. So I had to manage it from where I was. And I mean, you want to talk about a test of everything I had learned up until this point of just being in the moment and being with what was happening and getting my mother the support she needed, supporting my son from afar, doing what I could for me, which was basically nothing, (laughs) you know, just be there. Um, So 
you know, I, I, I called a teacher that he had that was amazing and she followed them to the hospital and she made sure that nobody gave him anything. Basically they got him a sandwich once he got there. First of all, by the time he was in the police car, he was fine because, Oh, look lights. Oh, look, I can press the button. And you know, it was really just about redirection and, and moving off of whatever he was thinking about in his head, which is easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, you know, they get him a couple of sandwiches. The teacher takes him home. By this point, I had called everyone under the sun to be at my house so that he didn't just walk in only to my mother. And then it started all over again. And then, you know, and then he was okay. And so after this, I had missed dinner, felt like hours, but it probably wasn't. Um, I go into my evening session and I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, right? I have no, I'm like, I'm, I've, I'm like, I, I, and if I don't finish the weekend, then I'm don't graduate with my class. I mean, I could, there were ways I could finish, but it wouldn't have been that weekend. So I show up, I just, I'm literally at this point, just putting one foot in front of the other and I get to the, to the session and the doors are closed and they open and they're like, it's very, very special evening. And it turns out it was like this they call it meditation in motion where basically you just tune into whatever is present in your body and your emotions in that moment. And you let the energy move you in whatever way it wants to come out. I mean, you want to talk about vulnerability. Oh my God. And I thought, I, I don't know if I can do this, but it was exactly what I needed because I was able to move that trauma out of my body. And had I not done that, had had this training not sort of forced me into doing that, um, I, I wouldn't have done it for myself because I wasn't ready to do that. I didn't know how to do that yet, but it was exactly what I needed. And, and now I know that if there's something I need to move that out, like you can't let that stay or you it stays, it just stays in you. And you don't really ever, it's always going to be a memory. It's going to, but when the way we learn from it is by getting that charge out through breathing through, you could scream, you know, into a pillow, but like we think, Oh, well, you know, I, I won't do, I, I, that's what I feel like doing, but I'm not going to just go scream into a pillow. I highly recommend <laughs> going and screaming into the pillow if that's what you think you need, because it does move that out. It was crazy. It was crazy. But like the, the whole graduate, it was so incredibly powerful because I, I showed myself how capable I was. I showed myself how resilient I was. I showed myself how resilient my son is and how capable he is and how, I don't have to be there for every single thing, big and small, you know, that it's okay. I, I was so attached to him and his needs and it was just, there was no separation and that's not healthy for either one of us. And so it really like, Ooh, even just talking about it now, I can, I can feel all those, those feelings coming back up of like, how cathartic it really was to make that separation and to see him as, as his own capable individual. 
Um, yeah, I can, I mean, I can't imagine what that was like. And, but I, I can, even just as you're talking, um, tell that, the that, you know, the fact that you were, that you did make the choice, you know, obviously it, it might've been, hopefully it was an obvious choice to finish your weekend, to graduate. Um, you know, you're here, you, you know, what else am I going to do? Like you said, you could have driven home. It's over by then, you know, that, that tantrum or the, 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 that, you know, it was escalated obviously by him going to the hospital and being taken in a police car and all that. But, um, and I can't imagine what it was like for your mom either, but um, she, she must've still traumatized. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when she's like, I just want you to be able to go away for the weekend too. And so for you to be able to go in there and I think it just speaks probably volumes to, to the, your yoga practice and, and, and what, you had been trained to do to surrender to that, to surrender to, well, I'm here. I'm let's just go in and see what happens. And then to surrender to that experience, which turns out to be incredible to let that all go. And I love what you say about the things staying in your body. And, you know, we talk about, we hear about so often these past you know, years ago, maybe you had something or experienced something and that it stays and stays and stays. And maybe it even ends up manifesting as an illness or um, as a pain in your body. And these, there are ways that to move these things along and get them out and to not suppress it. Like you said, go scream in the pillow. And I think that's also somewhat of a, a, a societal policing of no, you can't, you can't be out of control like that. You can't, you need to monitor yourself. You need to be in control, which really the letting go would be more control. It sounds like from what you're saying, the letting go would be more control. Go scream, go, go to the beach and scream to the, to the water, go, like you said, to the pillow um, or move, go for a walk, get out. Uh, If somebody's a runner, go run whatever your thing is to, to move it out. But I love that. And I love that you honored your, what you were there for and you didn't leave. And I think there's also, I can only imagine like your brain probably spinning through, okay, if I leave, what happens? If I stay, what happens? What, you know, in, and trying to make those decisions, it sounds like in a fairly short amount of time. So I love that you honored that. And then that, that was the release that you needed. So Clearly, you graduated. I did. I did. Congratulations. And, thank you. <laughs> and it really became, like you said the word surrender, and that's exactly what it ended up being. And it really, we think that we want to be in control, right? And that's what that's what the, I should go home, right? I'm going to go home and I'm going to be in control, right? I want to be in control of the situation. We want to have control. Really, what I did was take control of what I could take control of, like, which was, I can take control of calling people. I can take control of, of, right. And that's a big difference between being in control, which we really never are and taking control of ourselves. And so that was a huge thing. Yeah. And when I came, go ahead. even this level of, as a mom, I'll go home and fix it. I know I can fix it. If I'm there, I could fix it. 
you know, I know all the things to do to help him. Um, so to surrender to that too, that, okay, no, these people, this community that you, you gathered into your home, the teacher, the, your mom, the other people, they can handle it. They know what to do. They're here for me. And, and, and even that is sometimes a hard thing to do is to call in that support that you, that, you know, and, and I think so many times we don't do that where we think, who can I call? I'll just do it. I'll just do it when the support is huge, you know? And so um, there was something else I was going to touch on on that. And I don't remember. So um, go ahead. So, yeah. So what you're saying is really like the foundation of what I ended up coming around to teach, which was ask for help (laughs) because you cannot do it all. Um, Tune into the moment that have the experience that you're having. It's okay. Even if it's bad, bad, whatever, even if it's a negative emotion, it's what's happening. And we need to say that it's okay to have those emotions so that we can move through them and on. Um, and yeah. The, and the community don't, you know, if, if you feel isolated, find, go online, find anyone that you can talk to. There's, there's, there's more ways than ever to connect with people online, even though that's not ideal. It's to have someone say, oh my God, I totally know what you're talking about. Uh, This happens to me too, is gigantic for people who feel like no one else knows what I'm going through. I am literally the only one on earth who feels like this. And all of that stuff came up that weekend because I was the only parent of a special needs child in my yoga teacher training. Nobody knew what was happening to me in that moment. Nobody. Um, They were all incredibly supportive and amazing, but no one had the experience that I was having. Um, And then to be able to call on those people and to be able to trust the people around me that I called on, even if they're not the people that I would always turn to, you know, like, to surrender the moment and to trust my son. You know, that was a huge piece of what I was not doing. And it really showed me, um, you know, that he's got to learn to figure out some of this stuff. Like he, if you, if I want him to learn to manage his emotions and, and understand the consequences of his behaviors and understand he he's, I can't always be there. You know, I can't always be like, I can't always head off the behavior before it happens. It's not always going to happen. It still doesn't always happen. Um, And that part is the part that's the difference between being in control and taking control. I can take control of what I do in response to this, but I can't control what's happening. Um, So, yeah, so I was, I came home and I really didn't even ever think I was going to be a yoga teacher necessarily. I really did it as a journey for myself. And I had been running a program called I can bike, which is a bike camp for kids with disabilities. Um, It's five days. And during it's a bunch of different sessions during the day. It's, it's intense and, but it's incredible. And inevitably I'd be sitting on the, on the bleachers with the parents who were in the same shoes I was in. I do everything. I am there. I'm in my kids. What do you need? What do you need? A snack? A drink? Okay. All right. Tell me what you need. All right. 
you know, like really in this kid's face. And they come and they sit on the bleachers and the volunteers who, who do the program have the kids on the bikes. The staff that comes are professionals. They tell the volunteers, parents, you go sit on the bleachers. We never get to do that. We're the ones out there trying to teach our kids to ride the bike and it's really hard. And, you know, we're always in it. So to be able to sit back and watch your child learn how to do something or gain confidence is like incredible. And so I would sit on the bleachers and I would be in tears with joy. Yes, for the kids, for them gaining this skill, but for the parents to have that moment where it's not on them, you know, and it, they can just enjoy their kid doing something away from them, like physically off their body um, is something that I don't know. It's hard to understand, I guess, when, but it was huge. It was, I'm like, this is what I want. I want more of this feeling, this helping these parents feel this. And I thought, well, what if I did a yoga class for parents of kids with special needs? And like, we worked on the things that I learned, like being okay with feeling like poop (laughs) and being okay with saying I need help and reflecting back to each other how amazing you're already doing. So we tend to think of all of the things that I didn't do, what I didn't get on done on my list, how I'm not enough for my kid, how I, you know, there's no way there's not enough hours in the day to do all the things that he needs to get him all the therapies that she needs to do the things. And to hear another parent talk about what they are doing and for you as their peer to say, oh my God, you're doing amazing. And to really let that sink in. And that we don't get, you know, we, we don't get. So all of those things and then all of the tools. And it was just, I thought, oh man, do we need this? You know, and really everyone needs it, but it just so happens that I'm a special needs parent and I have a particular affinity for what other special needs parent parents need. And it is really, I mean, we all feel isolated in some way about our own experience, about something we're going through. Um, We all want to be in control and don't feel like we are. We all, you know, would like to take better care of ourselves, but don't think we have the time. (laughs) Um, So it's universal, really, all of the tools. Um, And I'm so grateful for my practice because it's really just been... Whenever there's a challenge that comes up, there kind of is something to, there is an inquiry. And that's what I love about the particular style of yoga, Kripalu yoga that that I practice. It's all about being in the inquiry of wherever you are. So, hmm, I'm really feeling like bummed out today, but why? I don't really have anything specific to feel bummed out about. I'm just going to sit with the feeling of being bummed out. I wonder where in my body that is. Hmm. Wonder if I take some breaths. And if you just are present with it, usually it it either you have some kind of a an answer <laughs> of like where it came from, or it goes away. Or huh, it's not going away. I'll have to explore this a little bit further, but it's not such a big threat when you're okay with it being there. You know, and I think we spend so much time in our culture of either I want what's over there 
but I don't want this. And we're never just right where we are. And being right. And so many times also when you are bummed, people are like, no, be happy. No, you should be happy. What's the matter? No, put a smile on your face. Just smile. And there are times when, like you said, you have to move through the emotion. I remember years ago, um, I lived in California and my grandma had passed away and I had been, I grew up in Illinois and I'd been in Illinois for the services. And actually she was alive when I arrived. She passed away while I was there and I stayed a couple extra days for the services. And I, I, I remember it being in California, getting gas like the next day after I got back from the trip and somebody at the gas station, the, te- the guy who worked there saying, what's the matter? Smile. And I'm like, no, you know, I, I am still processing. I'm still processing this and, and dealing with it. And I'm still sad and working on it. So that smile, that, isn't going to just, it's not going to help. It's not going to mask it. It might make you feel better because I'm smiling. So I love this that you're, (laughs) yeah, just, you know, I don't, I'm not here to make you feel better. I'm here to eventually, obviously I'm not still, you know, I've moved past that. It's been years. I've, I've, I've moved past it. So, and you know, who's to say maybe one moment I might be sad again and, and think of something and miss her. But at the same time, like we can't just mask all of our feelings. So anyway, the, so with your, with your training and your yoga practice, you created the calm within the chaos. And I love that. And I love that you um, created that to support others who are in similar situations as you're in. And that is that still a in person? Uh, we do it. We yeah, we do it in person um, for people who are local. But it is a it is possible to to do it as an online program. So um, during the pandemic, um, you know, we did some sessions online, um, and it was really important to connect. Even I don't think we did all that much yoga and you know, for me, the yoga isn't so much about the postures and stuff. We didn't do much postures. We, we came together because we needed to like, Oh my God, this is so hard. You know, we just needed that. Um, and we breathed and we came into moments of quiet and stillness. And, um, it was definitely more challenging because at the time everyone was home. So you had your special needs child at home. What's beautiful about the in-person group is that, you know, you do get that time away. Um, but the, we, but so online, you know, I, I'm also a Reiki master, so I incorporate Reiki into what I'm doing. So that creates, helps to create the space for peace and calm. So we can set up an online group with, you know, you're, maybe you're a part of a, a, you know, a mom's group somewhere, um, and you want to do an online thing. We can absolutely do it, um, you know, in that way, we could do it as a workshop. Um, it's really about these tools and just all the things that we've been talking about. The program takes, you know, we do it over the course of the school year usually. So it's like September, October to June. Um, and, you know, we move through the tools as we go through the program. In a workshop, we would give a sampling of all the tools and, you know, we'd have different experiences so that you leave knowing that it's possible. You know, that's the thing is that we, when we're so stressed and we're so caught up in all of it, we don't 
feel or know that it's possible to just And that's enough. Just to breathe is enough. We just don't even remember to do it. So having those experiences of downregulation, of calm, of reflection to each other, of communication, of listening, um, really go a long way to, because like, just like the trauma lives in your body, so does the relaxation. So when you have an experience of that, you can much more easily call it up and say, oh, right. I felt so good when I took that deep breath and you can remember. And I also often point out to people that people who sigh a lot are actually (laughs) practicing relaxation. So I have a friend and she just, she sighs a ton and she's like, people always tell me I sigh too much. I'm like, you're down-regulating your nervous system when you do that. You know, you're just letting, letting tension go. Um, And Really, the core of what I teach is how to develop the self-awareness with compassion, which is the heart of Kripalu Yoga, which is the heart of all of my teachings. Like, there's nothing more important. So I'm feeling sad. It's no wonder you're feeling sad. It's okay. And just to be with that, feel it in your body. Feel where you're stressed. It's in my shoulders. I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm consciously going to let some of it go. And it's not all gone, but it's better. And that took what? Two, three seconds, four seconds. Um, we think it takes a lot of time. I need to go to an hour yoga class or I need, and you don't, you know, you don't. And so that's really what we teach, whether in person or online. Um, we can make a program that works for you and for your group. And so I love doing it. I love some of my students that have been in the program for a bunch of years now, I just saw them this weekend and I hadn't seen them in a while. And one of them, they both have started businesses. One is getting her master's degree um, as well. Um, and they, it's in our discussions about where we are, um, they could never have imagined that that's where that they weren't capable of, of holding so much and having so much grace at the same time, you know, and it's really the practice and it's, it isn't me. It's the practice. It's these tools. It's using them. It's being okay. And constantly reminding yourself that you're doing the best you can. And that's really what we don't often remember to tell ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's a good message for all of us is that we are doing the best we can, each one of us. And I think that's important to recognize in others as well, is that frequently, if we can recognize that not only in ourselves, like give ourselves some, you know, a little, a little grace that we're doing the best we can, but so is everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And I love what you created. Um, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, because this is so, I love this, is that how is your son doing? He's 20 now. Um, And I just, I'm just curious. And I think our listeners would be as well. Like, how is your son doing? He's, he's good. He's, um, he is 20. He's going to be 21 in June. 
Wow. Um, he is taller than me and he, he's in a good place, which I hate to even say sometimes, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of it was puberty. Truly. It was really hard from, from 11 to 19 was really hard. Um, but I just knocked on the wall and here comes my husband. <laughs> What's nope, the matter? Was me. <laughs> <laughs> me knocking, honey. Um, so yeah, but he's, you know, he's had his ups and downs and days are good, but most days right now are good. And, um, and I'm just trying to enjoy that, you know, and try to, um, you know, for me, it's, you don't ever reach up uh, the end, right. Of like, Oh, I've done the things and now I'm okay. It's, it's daily. It's constant. I still lose my patience with them every single day. Um, I still, you know, oh, I should have done that. I should have said that I yelled when I shouldn't have. It's okay. You know, I, I the next moment is your next opportunity to, you know, take control. And so that's where I'm at, you know, and what's been beautiful about, um, this practice and this journey and his development, my development, um, my relationships development is that I'm, I'm doing other things too. So I'm teaching ceramics, which I love, you know, I'm kind of able to go back to making art, which was absent from my life for a long time. Um, We're starting a nonprofit to create a, a housing community for for adults um, because there are not enough of those and the ones that exist are not often too terrific. So we'd like to create something that's, you know, that, that they really will find and love as their own home. Um, So there's a lot. And, and I would never have imagined that I would have had the capacity for all of this, you know? And so part, and it really came from that moment of, of surrender of being with what was trusting my son, trusting myself and, and just taking it moment by moment. And really that's all there is, is this moment, right? I mean, we forget that all day long, <laughs> but when we remember it's, it's a, another way of finding that moment of contentment in your day. It's like, it's just right now. It's just this. I love it. I love that. It's so beautiful. Um, and just as we wrap up, you know, again, thank you so much for joining me, but I w- want you to, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but tell, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your program, um, what's your website or Facebook, or social media, wherever. Sure. Yeah, I'm at www.thecomwithinthechaos.com. And you can find information about me. Um, if you don't have enough already, you can find information about the program in person or online. Um, you can receive a free meditation and I'll also link uh, a link to the chapter in the book. So that's my gift for everyone is you can receive the chapter for free um, and learn about, read all about this, this story I've been telling today. Um, I'm on Facebook as Sacred Space uh, sacred space yoga and massage therapy. Um, so you can find me there as well. I post sometimes other things, my ceramics and other things on that as well. Great. And the other thing is the book you mentioned, the chapter that you wrote in the book, that was a collaboration. What, uh, what's the name of the book? The book is called awakening the divine feminine, 18 stories of healing, inspiration, and empowerment. And is that, yeah. And that's on our 
on Amazon. Okay. So like I said, everything will be, it will put, we'll put links in the show notes, but again, I am so grateful for you and your story, sharing your, a funny thing happened on the way to my life story and inspiring all of us. And um, thank also big thanks to our listeners today as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really love talking with you. So me too. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to a funny thing happened on the way to my life podcast. For more information, visit my website at www.lauramirhead.com.